0: Welcome to Connections, I'm Colleen Hood. Today's guest has such an interesting story that it'll take two days to tell. Ken Graves is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel in Central Maine. He left home at the age of 16 to pursue training in ministry, and by the age of 22, he was led by God to return to his hometown to present the gospel and build a church. That church has now grown into a healthy body of believers and church plants. Besides being the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ken travels throughout the United States and internationally much of the year speaking at conferences. Today on Connections, Pastor Graves will share his story and tell us what drew him into ministry. Today's guest is Ken Graves. He is the Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel in Bangor, Maine. Ken, we want to learn more about you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you landed in the world of ministry?
1: I I was a, a poor fatherless kid from rural Maine. And the misery of my childhood was such that it caused me to ask very young, why am I alive? What's the point? And the despair and all of that is part of what God used to drive me to his word. And um, I wanted answers. And with no dad, I didn't have anybody to ask. I wanted to know where I came from. Where am I going and why am I alive? And that longing for those answers is what ultimately drove me to to uh, read the Bible. And it was reading the Word at the age of 13, and I really came to know Christ. And and coming to know Christ, and to me, uh, being called to serve Him and into ministry was all one event, one very dramatic and very emotional event for me as, as a young kid. Three years later, ambitious and convinced that the world was going to end soon and the Lord was going to come back, and I needed to get busy. I quit high school left high school. I recognized there wasn't anything on the curriculum that was relevant to what I believed God was calling me to do. I got a high school equivalency diploma and went off to pursue ministry and, um, was trained in ministry, working with drug addicts and, and, uh, people with life controlling problems residentially did that until I was, in fact, I I was in full-time ministry at the age of 17. And, um, 20 years old when I left that ministry and a few years after that I back here in the state of man I started uh, the church that I've been pastoring now for 30 I don't know 35 years
0: what was it in, sorry go ahead yeah, that's,
1: the, that's, the shorts. that's the short that's the short
0: what was it like to be in ministry at such a young age
1: you know what I I have made the observation that the modern world postpones um, adulthood we we um, we, we used to have rites of passage. Uh, you know, in, in biblical uh, culture, uh, a young man or a young woman would have an event. They would have um, a bar mitzvah, a bat mitzvah for the girl. Bar mitzvah just means some of the commandments. You would come to a point where you demonstrated to your father that you knew the requirements of God, and then you became directly answerable to God. And that was the whole concept of the bar mitzvah. And I must at least my experience, not having an earthly dad, but coming into a relationship with my Heavenly Father, who provided for me sort of rites of passage, Uh, but also, I guess, you know, having the kind of childhood, the the poverty, the danger, all of the the misery of that childhood, I kind of accelerated out of being a kid as early as I possibly could. But I, I think that when you look back historically, back in history, some of our, our, here in America, some of our nation's founders were ambassadors at fourteen. They were uh, representing the nation to other nations, and uh, or you know on on a on a on a ship. We were talking about Great Britain or or um, you know, think about the, the, the British fleet would have officers that were fifteen years old that commanded a whole portion of of that um, that vessel full of men. And so my at least my experience was that. Coming to the place of understanding what life was about uh, very young. And I, I, I was, uh, you know, the other thing was my voice has always been like this. Oh, wow. If, if, and if people didn't ask how old I was, they just assumed that I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. So I was 17 years old, um, you know, running uh, work crews and working with grown men out of prison. In, uh, in jails and attics, and as long as I didn't tell them I was seventeen, nobody knew. I, I guess I, that was not my experience. I think I've always been old.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about the church you founded and how that all came to be?
1: I knew. Well, I should tell you that I was very uh, ambitious as a young Christian, as a young preacher. I wanted to be a big shot. I wanted to be famous for God. <laughs> I wanted to be. <laughs> I wanted to be a big deal, and and. The state I grew up in is a small population. It's a very rural state. There's a lot more forest than anything else. And I knew God had called me back there because it's exactly the opposite of what my, some sort of my flesh and my ambition wanted. I knew it was God who put a great sense of responsibility in my heart to return to where I came from, to offer to them what I had received. But it was, um, it was also uh, necessary for my ambition to die. It, it is, a, it, you know, when you look at the scriptures, the life stories of those characters in the Bible, whose life stories were given, people like David or Joseph, Moses, Abraham, all of those men experienced promise from God and a promise that, you know, caused a dream to be born. Long before that dream was realized, that promise dies. The, the hope, the dream dies. God to make a promise to an old man about giving him a son and let him, let him get 25 years older before that son of promise comes. Or oh, David anointed as king as a teen and experiencing the victory over Goliath, but then he has to suffer. He's got to go through all those years in exile, have his heart broken. And, and, uh, likewise with Joseph, he suffers slavery and, and prison long before his dreams of his brothers actually recognizing him as their hero. Uh, ever realized. And so it was with me mean, as a young preacher coming back here to the state of Maine and establishing a church and just talking, teaching the few and uh, being content and just stay in one place and take a, a responsibility for people. The the gig that appealed to me as a young preacher, I saw these guys that itinerated preachers that kind of, they blew in, blew up and blew out. They didn't uh, stick around and have to take responsibility for people go through the seasons of life with people. Well, that was very appealing to me, but that's not what God called me to do. He called me to come back here and just uh, initially get a job, put myself on the the end of a chainsaw, paying the bills and become part of the community. And from that place, teach the Bible and invite people to studies. And those studies ultimately grew, and the church came out of all of that.
0: Can you tell us a little bit more about your church population? You have seen quite the growth there.
1: Yeah, it it does fluctuate (coughs) seasonally up here in the state of Maine. A lot of people head south for the summer, and our church attendance, it fluctuates. But but we have been blessed in a, in to be a, a very large church in a, in a small town, it's a town of about 4,000. Um, you know, we're we grateful for the witness of the, what the Lord has done at our church. And we've planted churches. We've done all we can to get rid of people. We're not trying to collect them all. We've um, planted churches in every direction and sent trained other men and women out and and, uh, sent teams. And so we're very grateful that despite all the sending, we still have so many that have stuck around. Can you tell us a
0: little bit more about Bangor, Maine, a little bit more about the community and the kind of people that live there?
1: Well, you know, it's kind of like there are two versions of the state of Maine. Um, In some ways, I suppose Maine has some things in common with uh, some of the Caribbean islands that – Along our shoreline, there is a lot of wealth. Along that, you know, the whole Hollywood crowd—they've all got their summer homes on our on our coast. But then behind all of that wealth, there's just a relatively uh, poor, hard-working population that that uh, they can't afford the shoreline. You know, the property values uh, from from you know Hollywood, Los Angeles, have Driven the price of our coastline up to where the average Mainer can't afford afford that, and they just—it's a—it's a poor state, and people work hard to uh, to get by, and so that—that that is the part of Maine where we are inlands, where you know it's it's um it, it has very distinct seasons. You understand that being from Canada, yes, have, very um, much so. <laughs> we don't we don't just have winter. We have spring. We have summer, fall, then we have winter, and then we have this other thing we call still winter. (laughs) And um, it just goes on and on. You know, how that is my main. That is the main that I am part of. The main I grew up in and the part that God has given me a sense of responsibility for.
0: What's been the best part of that responsibility?
1: I have been blessed that what seemed, I, I can remember being a young man longing for adventure. And, uh when I when I first became conscious that God was calling me to ministry, my mental picture was so boring that I I you know <laughs> I shrank back from it but then just you know the Lord gave me that that call I couldn't deny it I answered it and it has been an amazing adventure and the opportunity to play a part in people's lives and especially the opportunity to in a in a small community, be a witness through the decades and then pray over little ones that parents come and say, could we dedicate this child to the Lord? And we would do that. And then those children growing up and marrying and coming to me with their children, sticking around long enough to see the seasons of life, to see the, the advantage, you know, God sets before us life and death, blessing and cursing. And to see those people that have chosen life and blessing, and once that blessing happened into the next generation, that has been the greatest joy, and unexpected, sort of. I, I, I guess ambushed by how much joy that would bring to my heart to, to see people actually applying the Word of God and then reaping the benefits in their life and their family, and their children.
0: Pastor Graves, what's been the most memorable moment in your ministry career this far? Well,
1: looking for one, that's difficult, I, I've, I've had so many. It's been, I know I sound older than the 57 years that I've lived, but I, there have been so many seasons that have come and gone. You know, what? one of the high points of my life, believe it or not, was when I was in my early forties and I was empty nest and my daughter, my wife and I have one daughter and she was, she left our home to go to Bible college. And I knew that when she left, that, that was it, that my being a dad was done. I didn't want it to be done. And I uh I, I longed for more. I wanted to father more and you know, the Lord did miracles and brought to to my wife and I, my, my son Benjamin, who's now thirteen. And uh there was a young lady who was in our women's home. We we worked with drug addicts and, and um people would like controlling problems residentially. And um there was a young lady at the time, she was nineteen years old and she was committed uh, she was pregnant. And committed to giving her child up for adoption and was talking with counselors while she was in our, our women's home. And seeking God, trying to prayerfully, she wanted to give more to her baby than she had to give. And ultimately, you know, going through that whole process, we weren't on the list. My wife and I were just busy about our father's business. And we were, in fact, empty nest when we were approached to adopt this child. And i got to tell you that that adoption, that event, the receiving of my son Benjamin, was one of the most significant things that I think happened all these years of ministry. And honestly, didn't do it for anything any other reason than I I just had so much love to give, and we wanted we wanted to we wanted to share that. And I think that's the only right reason to want to be a parent. You know, not trying to reproduce people to do chores. We, we just wanted to offer what we had and, uh, love and guidance. And honestly, the last 13 years of, and I, I, I love all my kids, but that, that particular event stands out to me. But I didn't realize what a statement it was. I didn't realize how much just adopting, uh, a, even a lost world looking on, even the, the most pro-abortion, uh, godless thinker is impressed when someone takes the responsibility for a child they did not procreate. I, I've been amazed at how that has affected my standing in the community or, or the way even the lost people have uh, perceived me. Anyway, it wasn't motivated by any of that, but that was a surprise. That was sort of a byproduct. But being able to be a dad again and answer the questions for Boy, who's was on his way to becoming a man, and those questions that that burned in my heart: Where did I come from? Where am I going? And why am I here? Honestly, the greatest joy of, of being a pastor has been able to just provide those
0: answers from the Word. And Pastor Ken Graves has such an interesting story, so good that we're going to continue our conversation into tomorrow. Join us again tomorrow for part two of our conversation with Pastor Ken Graves.